Hey, 372 Pages listeners, this is Connor. Before we get started today, I just wanted to let you know that my novel, The Pole Vault Championship of the Entire Universe, is very shortly going to be a Audible.com original. It's uh, a full cast reading of the book. They casted a bunch of funny people in all the roles, and it's sort of like an audio movie. So Mike is one of the main characters in it. Uh, Bill Corbett and Kevin Murphy from Rift Tracks are also involved, as are Janet Varney, Weird Al Yankovic, Paul F. Tompkins, John DiMaggio... Sashir Zamata, Dulce Sloan, Jackie Cashian, Eliza Skinner. It's really, really, really cool. I'm really excited about how it turned out. Uh, you can go get it at audible.com slash polevolt. It's out on January 17th, but you can pre-order it now. Um, and I'm really proud of it. So I hope you will uh, check it out. It's at audible.com slash polevolt. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, it's 372 pages. We'll never get back, but we are back. It's the new year. This is Mike Nelson here, and on the line with me, of course, is... Connor Lestoka. Happy New Year, Mike. We're now one year closer to the events described in Tech War. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I guess I, I hadn't thought of life that way, but uh, <laughs> that is 100% correct. Wow, I'm uh, I'm excited. This is 372 pages. We'll never get back. This is we're reading a book that we are probably going to hate, uh, and this one is Tech War by uh, Ron Goulart and uh, William Shatner. Right? Is it Ron? Yep. Yeah, yeah, Ron. That's a great name. Uh, <laughs> and boy, I I'm excited about the upcoming chapters. We'll give you. Uh, we have all of our departments. This show. Uh, we have dumb sentence of the week. We have uh, fanfic where uh, I um, let's see I am on a streak of one hundred percent for one week. Let's see, if yeah, I it's can, grim. See if I can keep that going. And uh, uh, so yeah, we got a lot of fun stuff coming, and I am excited about the chapters we're going to get to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about the chapters that we have yet to get to because, I mean, you know, no spoilers or anything, but we've the, the events that we keep hoping are going to happen still have not happened. And we've uh, we've got essentially one one episode of this left. You know, there's probably f- 35, 40 pages left in the book. And uh... it's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I actually I have a theory. Okay. I mean, I, I don't seriously entertain it. But for one minute I did because I have not read this hard copy. I've read only that never arrived at either my old place or my new place. So someone's reading <laughs> Tech War somewhere. <laughs> True. An old remaindered copy of Tech War. Someone's really enjoying. Hopefully they're a listener, too. Maybe we gained a listener. That would be amazing. But my for a second, as I was reading, I thought, is there some way that, that Connor, with his technical ability, is going ahead in my electronic copy, hacking into it and writing <laughs> things just to amuse me <laughs> and befuddle me? Because this is unbelievable. Wow, you think that it would be the long con of, uh, you know, a year and a half ago proposed the podcast, yes. Ernest Klein, uh, this then all working up to a, a, a package that I claim uh, I delivered only to then uh, have implanted the uh, the uh, bug on your computer when I went out there for the live show last April. 
Yeah, well, uh, it, it is an electronic copy that you sent me. I didn't. That's true. I, so, <laughs> I guess there's no need to even go as far as the theory of you going ahead of, and hacking into it. You just wrote your own book <laughs> and sent <laughs> so it I'm, to me. So I'm sitting here with a, one of those yarn walls, and it's yeah. got like strings to Sonny Hikori, strings to Bennett Sands, <laughs> strings to uh, uh, the uh, the J T J Rikosh Award for Excellence. <laughs> That's correct. And speaking of Sonny, boy, in this uh, this edition, I read the word Sonny more than a San Diego weathercaster, huh? Oh. Huh? Oh. Uh, 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 uh? Oh, the long con is over. <laughs> it wasn't worth it. All right. Yeah, well, but let's... that's the thing. So that is that is what I was talking about, what we are waiting for. Uh, I, I looked at it, and so the, the, this, this chapter... You know, we're, we're, will it be the one where we encounter Bennett Sands and Sonny Hikori? And I, I looked back a month ago, three episodes ago, we were joking about how all that was happening in that in that episode was that they were taking meetings about Sonny Hikori. Yeah. And, and so then we've done, you know, probably 150 book pages later, and that's still exactly what is happening. It's unbelievable. There were <laughs> I, actually in the readings that are coming up. I think I laughed out loud more than I have because yeah, there's... It's, it's building now. It's like a <laughs> uh, you know a, a deadpan comedian's routine where the you know you, now we're in the part where it's funny again. You know? Right, exactly. It has it has it has definitely crossed over into that point in time. And the fact that they are they just they're getting closer and closer together. Like their pads are converging into to the point where they're you know just being you know tossed at as one sentence after another. So we've got. Got a lot of good stuff to look forward to here. Yes, but let's bring you up to date in Tech War. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot. Why don't you <laughs> give, give us the rundown, Connor? So over the course of the past 250 pages, Jake has uh, traveled to Mexico with the uh, – he's looking for the, a crash, a plane crash victims of uh, Professor Kitteridge and his hot daughter, Beth. Uh, he's uh, encountered an android replica of Beth who he's uh, started to fall in love with. They've traveled, they've traveled, even though he's, he's been anti, anti-droid anti the entire time, they've traveled to Mexico uh, to seek, in theory, they're seeking out the plane crash, but that has involved a, a shaggy dog routine of going to see War Bride, Jake's former lover, who's now uh, sort of running her own coup uh, in the Mexican province of Chihuahua. Um, and that's where we sort of left off is that he's, he's gone to see war bride because he thinks she might have some information about, uh, the Kitteridge's Bennett Sands, Sonny Hikori, some of those guys. Yeah. Speaking of, I mean, those names are great when you read them, obviously every time you like you know, <laughs> spit take after spit take, but just even mention of the crash now is becoming hilarious. Like that is its own character as people like to say, it's, it's right. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's finally, uh, reached the point where he can maybe gain some information about this, uh, um, crash, but they have chapter and last chapter ended with him, uh, getting up and striding towards the stage, uh, because the war bride was about to execute, uh, the fat globo, the sweating fat man. Yes. And we should point out, he's at this place where war brides giving a big propaganda speech, you know, a big fist raising, uh, you know, we, the revolution is coming kind of thing. And uh, to to pump the numbers on the crowd, they're projecting <laughs> um, holograms of more people, right? There are some mm-hmm. people there, but they're projecting holograms. And just as a reminder, there's cameras hovering around filming it. So 
they had to actually make the holograms instead of doing it in camera, which right. I, would, I would have done to just right. save money. I think that's pretty easy to do an after effect rather than actually make the <laughs> Right. But I mean, I guess if you're living in hollow houses and like, you know, hollow huts like the general had, like the technology's there. So like maybe it's just like she 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 overbought and was like, well, you know, it's a sunk cost. We got to use it to make, you know, make this whole seem worthwhile. True. And maybe that's kind of an old fashioned thing. Like, no, I prefer to do all my uh, you know, stuff in camera. It looks better that way. The after yeah, stuff well, doesn't, yeah, doesn't play. Sure. It could be just, you know, the idea of performing on stage in front of a, uh, an empty theater. It just, it doesn't feel right. You know, even if you know that they're not actually real, if they're you know, sort of right. present there, that's, you know, you, you get that crowd energy going and boy, the crowd, that's how it starts. Uh, we have a great, uh, almost Kleinian sentence to, to sort of begin this. Uh, the, cl- the crowd became aware that Jake was striding toward the platform. They didn't realize they were becoming aware, but they did become <laughs> aware. And then he says they grew silent for a moment, then began murmuring. So immediately I'm, I'm panicked because I don't know exactly how long of a moment they be- they, they took before they began murmuring. Uh, well, uh, he's, he's back on track very soon in that <laughs> regard. So do not fear. <laughs> yeah. So he says uh, uh, there was a lot of a lot of dumb sentences this time. And a lot of people agreed with me. A lot of people said that this was the the, the jam packed with dumb sentences most than anything. So I had this one highlighted early on, but it, it was surpassed very quickly. But the murmuring of the several hundred real soldiers grew louder. So he's he's sort of doing the thing where he's reminding you that there are real soldiers and fake soldiers, even though it doesn't it doesn't matter at all. No. But he says uh, when he still when he was still about 100 feet from the bright lit platform, War Bride came to its edge and shielding her eyes with her flesh hand because she's part <laughs> cyborg. Remember, stared out at him. It took her another 10 seconds to realize who he was. So <laughs> you were back on track. Oh, all is right yes. in the world. Yeah, but, I, uh, I took note of flesh hand. I just. <laughs> It just seems, uh, I mean, obviously we know why he's doing it because of her cyborg nature, but yeah. uh, do people who have prosthetic limbs then refer to their other limbs as like my flesh leg or, yeah. or what? <laughs> oh my God. It sounds, it sounds very dirty. If you've, uh, if you spend any time <laughs> on the internet, you'll, it's uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, but then, so yeah, he, he reminds you very quickly afterwards. She, she, in case you were feeling, still feeling lost about the, the times, uh, not being ultra specific, War Bride reprises one of our favorite gestures. She pointed skyward with her metal thumb <laughs> to indicate something that's happening like above her or like there's cameras in the sky. Uh, I think that Jake did that. Someone else might have done that more than once, too. There were uh, lots of, uh, well, obviously the odd hand gestures are, are a Shatlardian tradition. But the pointing the thumb skyward, I, I believe that exact phrase is uh, has come up a couple times. <laughs> um, and so uh, they're like they start immediately just being like having a, an old old friend's moment. Um, they are talking, and it was a very curious thing to me because they're sort of doing this in front of the crowd of hundreds of people. So he says, uh, "You were you were away," and or she says, "You were away," and frankly, I didn't expect you'd be out this soon. Nor, me, Alma, that you'd show up here. I've been trying to see you, he said to her, but apparently that news hasn't gotten to you. No, no one told me that. We have business to attend to, cut in a harsh, grating voice. So I just, the crowd must be sitting there being like, hey, so, like, are we done here? You yeah, have to. I, I was kind of, you know, I had the scent of blood in my nostrils and was ready <laughs> to kill the man. You're like, am I still, are we doing that? Is that still yeah. operative? 
right there. The, the, the sweating fat man is still sweating profusely, and we've we've all sort of been worked up into a frenzy. And like, and, but then it was like, so can they can they actually hear them? And it's later revealed that they definitely can, um, because uh, we'll get to that. But so the guy who was walked on stage at the end of that is uh, about forty, and a little more than half of his face was <laughs> handsome. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it had been replaced by silvery metal. His left hand was metal too, of the same gleaming silver. So he's this is General Vargas, Rafe Vargas. And he is also a, a cyborg. So him and Warbride are both cyborgs. Another important thing to keep in mind, because something very stupid happens with that respect later. So the crowd who is who is like they're like a crowd at the Arsenio show in the 90s. They're just like they're ready to shout things. Someone General Vargas cried someone in the crowd. Others shouted the name Vargas, which is, you know, a lot of people probably have not attended our, our Nashville um, Rift Tracks live shows, but people always shout Nelson when you walk out on stage. <laughs> yes, Just, it's, it's a natural reaction the crowds have. Of, it's very odd. Yeah, this I picture this whole thing like you know the uh, let's say the Democratic National Convention, you know, uh-huh. a stump speech. Everyone just screaming and shouting and yeah and there's just applause lines after applause lines and then suddenly someone strides up to the stage and it's just like in a quiet oh i thought you had gone where right. oh, oh you're back in town oh right. how how you been you've been okay you look good yeah people i'm good I, and then everyone's are just we, standing there. people are like do we know who the guy is because she seems very familiar with him but he's not he's not famous to us i guess like and, the, and someone else in the crowd is like no like they used to be lovers like I, I hear they used to have a relationship. That's something that people lovers, always mention. Lovers, <laughs> lovers. What are we shouting? I don't give us a clue. Right. Mothers? <laughs> hey, uh speaking of the his a little more than half of his face was handsome and then mm-hmm. was replaced by silvery metal. Silver metal, a gleaming silver. Why the hell is Shatlart now being coy about what kind of metal it is? <laughs> I mean, we've it's... heard the chrome word eight billion um, times. Right. Yeah. So are you saying this to me is like explicitly saying it's not chrome. It's not chrome. It's some yeah. other silvery metal. And you are just on your own pal about which one it is. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, platinum, titanium, like, uh, maybe it's a, uh, well, name some it. sort of, <laughs> it's a brand name that, uh, uh, he's unable to discern or just doesn't want to mention cause they didn't cough up the product placement. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh speaking so- of the sweating fat man. Yep. He was on the platform held by two soldiers. The sweating fat man was watching Jake and the general. And I just thought, how is he not thin by now with all the sweating? (laughs) For the love of God. I mean, you know, like he's in one of those uh, sauna suits and he's been running for he's he's clearly he's got to be like 110 pounds and shriveled. (laughs) (laughs) The shriveled but still sweating former fat man. Yes. Um, but yeah, so the question about whether the crowd can hear them is, is answered. Like evidently, you know, Warbride was mic'd up, but uh, they the mics are picking up what Jake and Vargas are saying. Uh, Vargas says, I've been most anxious to encounter you, Senor Cardigan. Stopping a few feet short of v- Jake, Vargas gave him a slight stiff bow. First, though, I must take care of this traitor. Kill the traitor, shouted a good portion of the crowd. <laughs> so they are like he wasn't expecting to be on stage. He walked out so that because Jake appeared, but I guess he was mic'd up in preparation for doing that. But then the crowd is on point with the, you know, call and response of the thing. Cause a good portion of them shout the phrase in unison, kill the traitor. Well, maybe it was just that somebody got that started. Maybe, maybe, it, right. maybe it was eight seconds later. They did it. Right. Oh, should we start yelling, kill the traitor? I mean, we got to do something. There's right, one guy the who traitor. was getting the wave started at a baseball game who just was sort of, he had had a few before the, uh, 
propaganda rally, so he was really enthusiastic about it. Somebody had to tell him, you know, don't swear in front of my kids, and um, right. we're fine. I'll join you in the wave. Yeah. And then he, like, stuck his finger down his throat and barfed on him, like, at that <laughs> Phillies game <laughs> eight years ago. <laughs> Look, I said I was sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> the guy had to explain to his wife that he had brought the kid to the propaganda rally in the first place when he brought him home right. covered in puke. Right. <laughs> uh, but we soon get uh, we get an action scene. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Well, the the, uh, the sweat the guy the fat guy sweating on stage wasn't enough action. <laughs> it was it was good for me, but um, <laughs> he gets in a fight with uh, with General oh, Vargas. Vargas, and now Vargas has been he's been somewhat of a Sonny Hikori until this yeah. point, right? Yeah, Rafe Vargas was a name that was stupid enough that we did take note of it when it kept coming up. Well, when he actually appears, he's so underwhelming. I actually don't. I had sort of forgotten. Like, yeah, I, I think they mentioned this guy a hundred times, and then when he <laughs> it's comes, incredible. Up, he's just it makes me he's not question much. the whole cybernetic industry. Yeah, <laughs> he's not very impressive. Uh, so they get in a fight, and here was one of the action lines: his right hand chopped at the gun in the metal fingers. So his right hand? You mean his flesh hand? Let's be consistent here. <laughs> right, yes. And then he knocked it free of Vargas's graft by chopping at it. You'd figure that the metal fingers of the cyborg hand would be like just like a vice grip. Yeah, they're the cyborg thing again. What is happening? And <laughs> why is everyone a cyborg? Do they do it? Yeah. Is this, uh, you know, what do you call it? A, a surgery for... I mean, did something happen? Is this replaced or is this just everyone just goes in and like saw off my hand right. and replace it with a metally material? And it's basically the same thing. It has no special powers. Yeah. In fact, it might be weaker. It seems like they've been sold a bill of goods about what these uh, what these cybernetic things are able to do. I mean, I guess Warbride got death rays implanted into her, as we'll see. But yeah, the uh, the the other cyborg we encountered had like the knife hand that Jake was easily able to disarm as well. Yeah. So maybe it's just like a, uh, a, it was a fad and it's like a tramp stamp and like, man, I wish I'd never <laughs> yeah. gotten that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my regular hand back. Well, yeah, because we see that secretary later who had herself all done up to look like an android, but she has like reversed that look within a matter of days. Marnie? One of yeah. my one of my favorite characters. <laughs> we will get to her, but uh, yeah. yeah, the action sequence happens, and this was another good line. I thought uh, Jake charged, threw himself on the fallen man, and started jabbing him in the ribs. <laughs> so I, I pictured like a uh, you know a guy you know who's who who made you come to see a movie with him that he's already seen, and every time a funny thing happens, he's he's just giving you an elbow jab in the ribs and sort of looking at you to see if you're laughing. I pictured it as the next thing he was going to do was, uh, you know, dangle spit out of his mouth in front of it <laughs> until it just about touches his face. And then like, no, no, no. Well, yeah, because Warbride's back there like yelling at them, stop. And both men ignored her rolling over as they struggled. So I thought her next step was going to be to do the uh, thing my mom would do of just flicking the lights on and off to try to get you to like, hey, stop it. Like, pay attention. <laughs> Quit wrestling with your brother and come upstairs for dinner. Oh, that's a good move. <laughs> um, before he does that, before he starts jabbing at his ribs, Jake, uh, he hit Jake just below the breastbone, causing him to gasp and go staggering back. And I just noted <laughs> he missed the exact center of his body, <laughs> just usually where people are hit. Right. Oh man, that would have been good. And uh, then again, Jake, Jake made a lunge, butting the cyborg in the midsection, again, missing the very center. But that reminded me, that's very Shatlerian. That reminded me of the, uh of Shatnerian, the Gorn captain. 
Uh-huh. Like the kind of that clumsy, like head butting, like what what are you getting at? Who fights like that? <laughs> Lunge at him and hit him in the midsection with your head? What, what? Uh, fan art of uh Shatner ga- jabbing the Gorn captain in the ribs. Um <laughs> putting out a request for that, anybody. That would be <laughs> spectacular. Uh yeah, I don't know. Maybe the cybernetic uh limbs are are supposed to be targeting the exact center of his body, but they're just sort of malfunctioning because they're not um uh, they're not calibrated properly or just never were in the first place yeah vargas just he he bought that budget model and uh, he's been regretting it ever since <laughs> but uh yeah so uh Warbride uses her like stun ray on them um to sort of to take take both of them out and uh unless you have anything else we get we go to jake waking up in a treehouse. yeah uh, that's my first uh, i'm sure you have the same sentence that i do go uh, ahead uh he grimaced shook his head carefully from side to side he still enjoyed awakening even though right now he had to undergo the discomforting after effects of having been knocked out with a stun beam. So he's just up there, you know, <laughs> regaining consciousness for the umpteenth time in this story. But he, he's enjoying awakening. Yeah, I, yeah. He This I pictured as um, he, he wakes up in like the elf forest in the Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> he's in this huge high thing. And there's light bathing him. Gauzy light. The plaz yeah. windows, the gauzy. Yeah, it's a very strange picture. Um, but he's, he starts talking to himself again immediately. Cause of course he does. He has, he's saying got one built into that arm of hers. He said, as he attempted to slide clear of the bed and stand up very convenient for her. Um, and we shouldn't be surprised by this at this point, but it still is so jarring every single time he says these weird thoughts out loud to himself. Well, this is before he's just shaken himself awake, which he quite enjoyed. And then he doesn't, there's no, he scanned the room to make sure no one was there before he did his insane ramblings to himself. <laughs> so I, I just pictured like there's a guy sitting in a chair, a guard who's like, who the hell are you talking to? What is wrong with you? Right. He's like putting his Us Weekly down and looking around and like doing the, is anyone else hearing this type of thing? Yeah. <laughs> or, or he's sitting there being like, this guy, man, look at him. He's just really enjoying awakening. <laughs> Ah, He's man, the I gotta, time of his life. We're doing yeah. something wrong with our prisoners. Exactly. I wake up in the morning and I'm just groggy and making coffee like in my slippers in silence. But look at this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, he decides to himself. Uh, this is another another thing that is, again, has happened so much that it shouldn't be jarring, but it still is, is the the mid-sentence sort of declarative. I don't know what the actual oh, man. term is. but This one is filled with those. It's so <laughs> bizarre. This must be, Jake decided, one of the ranger stations <laughs> taken over and redecorated by Warbride. It's a uh, it's a real plague. <laughs> I don't it's obviously he, it's a stylistic thing that he thinks is really landing every time. Like it's making people pay attention. Yeah. And, and it's I, just odd. Like no human has ever spoke that way, thought that way, <laughs> written that way, communicated to anyone in that right. fashion. Now, there, like, early on, people were sending us a link to an audiobook, so it'd be interesting to hear how Shatner reads this when he actually does it. It must, I mean, it must sound, or maybe it sounds good when Shatner reads it, because that's sort of the uh, the impression of it, how he talks is to put those weird pauses into things. So maybe yeah, that's what maybe he's that's, for. that is probably what it, part of it, <laughs> kind of the um, yeah, that that uh, odd syntax that makes you pay attention. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so. Uh, Warbride comes in, and uh, we we get the first mention of her real name. Uh, but I wanted you to cool off, you and Rafe both. Well, you succeeded, Alana. 
mm-hmm. uh, which is another he sort of he's done this before where he talks you know, interchangeably uses cyborg and man. And now he just starts interchangeably using Alana and Warbride, which, again, is a very off putting, stupid decision. Yeah. And uh, and and Warbride tells uh, uh, she's doing the speech and all the stuff in the speech is made up, I guess it was. Oh, yeah. It was written for her by this. uh this guy who, and here's the sentence, he used to be a professor of literature at Mexico University. Before that whore, President <laughs> Romero put his name on a death list. And I just thought, Warbright is Norm MacDonald. Yeah. Because <laughs> it comes up a number of times. Yeah. They, She's they a crack the next, whore. The next one would read well, too. Originally, I was saying I was raped by three soldiers. I decided five sounds better. <laughs> Assistant crack whore. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she's got the uh, she's, she's she's embellished her backstory uh, with the aid of the professor of literature at Mexico University, which is uh, I guess if you take a step back, that's a weird, um, probably uh, offensive thing to to assume that the uni- the entire uh, country has one university. But let's just move on from the uh, racism and the rape to uh, <laughs> keep. Uh, Keep the story going. No, it's Mexico University, and they're they are football rivals of the University of Mexico. So it's, <laughs> okay, <that's... laughs> yes. Mexico A and M is uh, <laughs> yeah. you know they had a couple good seasons. They painted their field blue for some national attention, but you know they, they didn't have any staying power. Um, so it was always interesting to find out how your brother Jorge disappeared. I'd always thought he went into hiding to avoid being being nabbed for dealing tech. This is more of her embellished backstory. And I read about Jorge uh, being nabbed for dealing tech, and I thought, oh, yeah, that stuff. That, uh, that stuff we're supposed to be having all the wars about. Uh, <laughs> yes. like, and it just seemed, you know, it, it seemed like they just have – it's barely been an afterthought. Like the plane has been crashed because they were going to come up with a uh, device that would eliminate tech. But like – and I guess, you know, Sonny Hikori is a tech dealer, and we've been talking about him a lot. But it, it really has been um, a sub-MacGuffin. Uh, plot device oh it's not even uh, what you would expect in a book like this obviously is cutting from this garbage back to little short chapters of someone doing tech like you know Mm. or some guy putting his family at risk uh you know some some bit of peril that they keep cutting back to where if they are able to disarm the tech it like either saves or you know what i mean there's some stakes involved yeah yeah or there's, like there's when he was... absolutely none for tech in this one. Nobody uses it. Jake right. used it for two minutes at the beginning, unless, yeah. of course, this entire thing is a tech dream, which I right. still hold out some sense that it could be. <laughs> but we went to like the impoverished areas in Mexico outside the bullring, and there weren't even like there was junkies and stuff, but they weren't even like uh, wearing the tech helmets. Like even Ready Player One did that, where you you take these trips outside and you see these. Uh, zombies sort of wearing the tech gear like you didn't even have that as an issue yeah it, it's there this is a tech war with no tech it's a it's quite an accomplishment so i want you uh just off the top of your head uh mentions of tech versus plaz where do you think which has more and then give me your give me your numbers oh you have statistics yeah i took a note because i was <laughs> I, I i as i read this i wrote down you know control f tech versus plaz because i was like well I'll, I'll share my thoughts after you guess by the way, before I do this, and I'm excited to dive into it, I was thinking about how much um, the uh, uh, Wendy O. Williams, are you familiar with? She was like a shock <laughs> punk person uh, in a, do you know the name of her band from the, I think the uh, 70s, early 80s? 
She used I know to her appear. because uh, the the boss of uh, I believe like level three in Mario three was Wendy O Koopa. Oh, and that's a reference the, to her. They, they named all of Bowser's sons after rockers. There was Iggy and. Uh, oh yeah. wow! Yeah, well, her band was the Plasmatics, and it just wow. Made me wonder. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, whether uh, <laughs> one was a fan of the other, or I don't know. <laughs> it's and, not any dumber than a uh, Mario 3 boss. <laughs> right. Well, all right, so my guess is I think it's running 70-30, but, okay. but that could be... With what, tech versus Plaz? Oh, Plaz versus tech. Percent-wise, you mean? Yeah, I think Plaz is way more than tech. Okay. Tech has 139 mentions. Plaz... 73 it's oh. tech is almost double i was stunned i, I was stunned <laughs> when i saw that but wait so i guess you could search every so every permutation of plaz is well, that's you, the you, thing is sometimes it says like you know uh there's like it's in the middle of a word that isn't that there's plasty there's all that so i mean i maybe it just stood out more because we weren't expecting it but um yeah that was that was that was unfortunate i thought <laughs> that's deeply unfortunate i guess tech just passes by you know, because it's just a, a, you know, it's pretty bland and the plaz things are so annoying and jarring that you yes. take note of them, obviously. So, well, if we had been reading a book called Plaz War and tech was showing up as often as it does here, we would also take note of it, too. <laughs> right. Um, but then uh, we're, we're back to another some more familiar turf. Uh, War Bride is, is having this discussion with her and uh, she shrugged one shoulder brushing her short cropped hair with her silvery metal fingers. I told, I was reading this book in a, in the car on a drive to a family dinner of, uh, after Christmas, not Christmas day, but like later on. And I was trying to sort of explain to my parents and my brother and Lauren and my brother's fiance about like how stupid this book was. And that was the example I used that multiple times through this book, characters shrug one shoulder and were meant to just accept that as a normal thing. <laughs> Did you, how much of the backstory did you go into to get them up to speed? I was like, it was like, how much you know, did you think, tax them? In other words, <laughs> people listened to the first couple ones. And then I, I think they weren't even aware that we were doing, uh, doing tech war. So I, I, I try to be con as concise as possible because <laughs> <Sure. laughs> you could see the eyes start to glaze over if they're not in deep. Yeah. Uh, so are you in, I'm in chapter 28 now. I don't have anything more for, uh. Uh, I just thought it was funny how um, the there's yeah this is this is quick. The, she says you're traveling with the Kitteridge girl, which strikes me as very strange. Uh, you say that you say you are searching for her, and and so she thought it was strange that he's traveling with the Kitteridge girl, not that he's traveling with her and searching for her. She inserted it strikes me as strange too early in her thought because it's not strange that he's traveling with a girl, right? Like a hot yeah. girl. It's strange that he is with her and searching for her. So she sort of jumped the gun. Uh, it's like an act actor who said their lines out of order. And then he, when he says she's not Beth, Beth Kitteridge, uh, Warbride replies, isn't she? From pictures, I've instead of saying, oh, uh, so it's one of those common realistic cyborg duplicates that are all over the world. And we've all encountered many times throughout our life. She she, she seems confused by the fact that there could be a uh, an exact duplicate of somebody. Yeah, I, I use kamikazes, kamikazes literally every month to yes, assassinate exactly. <laughs> members of the government. So right. I'm kind of familiar with the principle, but what what's going on? Yeah, I'm very confused. Um, but yeah, so chapter 28, um, let's kick it off. Well, my first sentence was, she hit the palm of her flesh hand with her, <laughs> with her metal <laughs> fists. 
<laughs> little on the nose, and then says, if I collaborate with the tech lords, then I'm no better than that puta President Romero. Right. Again yeah. with the whore thing. Yeah. <laughs> Nora, I wonder how they would translate Norm's uh, weekend updates into Spanish if they ever did that. Like <laughs> if you ever listened to the uh, you know translation of, of The Simpsons, it's always just sort of funny to see how those characters sound. But <laughs> Norm's would in particular translate uh, his delivery into Spanish would be fun to hear. Yeah. Well, she doesn't seem very, I mean, I don't know what's going on here but uh, between the two of them, but... That doesn't speak well of her that, uh, you know, a woman in power like that, all she can do is call her a whore. Right. right. We're, we're supposed to build each other up. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're supposed to smash this together. But that, there's a great moment with uh, when uh, when Jake gets a glimpse of the president later on that, that we'll get to. Yes. Uh, she's not. Yeah. The, the, the author does not think much of her, even though she's clearly not not a factor in anything. My favorite my first sentence of Chapter 28 was how he. Uh, how Jake is so he's now sort of explaining to Warbride that uh, Vargas uh, tried to have Jake killed, and that's yeah. uh, why he wanted Globo dead because Globo knew that. He, Jake says, after Globo's plan to get rid of me went fluey, I had a nice <laughs> chat with him. I don't even know, like uh, that's not like twenty slang. That's not like uh, cartoon character slang. I don't know what our what our hard boiled detective is talking like at this moment. I mean, yeah, I noted that too. Is like curfluey, which would be. <laughs> Yeah, which which would be someone from the you know the twenties Bronx or something. Like, right. <laughs> all my plans went kerfluey, you see. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. fluey, yeah, I don't know. Car pair characters are calling people whores and putas and talking about exaggerating rapes, and then in comes the uh, former drug addict detective who's like, "Yep, oh, it sure went fluey when those bulls tried to gore me to death, and then the uh, young girl tried to assassinate me." And uh, yeah, but I just give him all the raspberries is what I do. <laughs> I think he has said rasin before, which I think comes uh, from that. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's my so he they go to Vargas and uh, basically just walk into his his office or his bedroom and are like Vargas, have you been plotting? <laughs> you know, this is how it plays out. It's really there's very little tension in it, and he he kind of uh, you know he lies at first, but this sentence I laughed out loud when. There was no reaction from Jake when Vargas said, Yes, surely, admitted Vargas, shoulders slumping slightly. It was wrong, Kara, as was foolish my plan to have in this insignificant cucaracha killed. Once I saw him face to face, why I realized he was nothing but a pathetic, burned-out failure. Certainly no competition for me. And then the... It just goes on. <laughs> He's not like, why, you son of a... He didn't start poking him in the ribs or anything. He's just like, oh, interesting. Hmm. So I, that does make sense. Now that you say it out loud, it does. It scans. Right. I'm just you know, I'm, I'm going to accept that. Uh, hearing it out loud is the, uh, was the important thing for me to confront my, my failures as a cucaracha. <laughs> and he, he's, yeah, he's acting like it's a, uh, a high school... Uh, you know, rivalry, you know, where he's like, I realized that he was not any competition for me. Like he's, 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 he's insulting his looks or something, even though only half of Vargas's face is handsome. Yeah. I, and what was the plan? Like he just, <laughs> he, since they had been lovers, then he got Globo to bring him to the, the bulls. Well, like how does the whole plan play out in your, in your mind? That's very 
a good question because I guess he's he's in, he's insinuating there that it was based on the former lovers thing, which like it's been a running joke that Jake keeps saying like this is overblown people. I don't know what the running joke is meant to imply because I assume after this chapter we never see Warbright again. But then again, he also is trying to keep him from sniffing around about the plane crash. Um, so I guess maybe that's what he was he was he was trying to wipe him out so he wouldn't discover uh, that the plane that they had. I don't know because <laughs> he turned the professor and Beth over to Sonny Hikori as opposed to just killing them, which would have been, you know, I don't see why Sonny Hikori wouldn't have been okay with that, you know, would have accomplished. I would just say based on this next thing that I noticed that, uh, uh Vargas is not the sharpest knife in the drawer <laughs> because yeah. he walks into this clever trap. They ask him, uh, you know, do you know about this Kitteridge? And he's like, Kitteridge, huh? <laughs> Kitteridge, she repeated. And he says, I'm afraid, Bonita, that I don't know the professor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yet you're aware he's a professor. Uh, uh, he walked right into it. He, he must have, like, they, they omit the uh, flesh hand hitting his forehead here. But obviously it does. Yeah, or like you know, just doing like a <laughs> collar tugs with his Did I with say his, his silver tongue. Yeah, the way he behaves in this section, he's like not meeting her in the eye. He's looking around. It's like when you catch a dog that has like you know uh, torn apart a couch cushion. You're like, who did this? You know, <laughs> muffins. Was this you? And the dog won't look at you. <laughs> oh, Vargas is a very complicated character. Well, one thing that I noticed. Um, is that he when they when they go in to encounter him, he was still in his uniform and the medals on his broad chest glowed, too. He was sitting in a lucite armchair near the center of his room. <laughs> and so we, we both we both noted this. And I guess we have we talked about it before because we've been looking up lucite. We realized it was a, you know, a, a brand name from the 30s. But it's so this is the fourth occurrence of it in this book. And so we were we we wanted to puzzle out like why it still exists in this universe, but is it a is it an an also ran material to plaz? Um, and so I I, I I did some research. Oh, you did. I went, oh, oh yeah. Um, went on the dark web where there's some. That's where the real tech. Um, I mean, tech war communities hang out. Like there's not much. You know, we've been soliciting all the fan fiction, but on the dark web is where the real stuff hang out. And they don't just make fan fiction. They make weird little. Um, in-universe uh, audio productions. Oh, they do audio uh, too. Well, that, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dark web is full of of tech war audio. Um, so they had this whole sort of backstory that they they crafted uh, about the um, rise and fall of the lucite industry in the in the tech universe. Oh, sure. To sort of flesh out the world building, really. Exactly. Yes, it's it's world building is a big, uh, important part of any of any science fiction um, universe. Uh, it really adds a, a lot of detail once you've once you've sort of seen how this went down. It makes you understand um, why some people might have a lucite chair, some people have a plaz chair. It, it, it's it's a, it's a it's a journey in itself. So let me let me just share these these audio clips with you. All right. Hi, friends. Do you need a new lucite rocking chair, desk, or rod? Then come on down to Al's House of Lucite. We've just got next year's new Lucite models in stock, and boy, are they special. You can really feel the difference when you sit in a Lucite armchair versus one of the other guys. So bring the whole family into Al's. It's a Lucite for sore eyes. Hi, friends. Al here from Al's House of Lucite. 
boy, your old friend Al must have forgot to carry the one because we really overbought on loose sidearm chairs. So we're having a massive sale. 25% off everything in the store. And I'll tell you what, you bring one of those crummy old Blast products to trade in and I'll knock off an additional 10%. Come on, please. Owls, it's a loose sight for sore eyes. Plaz is all the rage. But what aren't they telling you? The rise in popularity of Plaz seems to coincide with all these tech wars we're having. Coincidence? Does exposure to Plaz give you cancer? Why the hell is it sometimes one word, sometimes two, and sometimes spelled with a Z? Know what you're putting in your home. Know the facts about Plaz. Paid for by Al's House of Lucite. Yeah, I know it's running. No, I don't give a rat's ass. I, I already paid for the airtime. Hell does it matter. I got a stack of unpaid bills, a warehouse full of lucite chairs. My wife left me for some jerk named Ogden. Yeah, I'm slurring. I used a little bit of tech this morning. What do you care? <laughs> Beth Kittredge, yeah, that's for sure. Andy or not. Al's Lucite House. I don't know. Hi, friends. You need a new Plaz chair, Plaz box, or Plaz cup? Of course you do. So come on down to Ogden's House of Plaz. We got tough Plaz, colored Plaz, Plaz shingles, Plaz doors, Plaz windows, even Plaz bottoms for your sky buses. What's it made of? Who cares? Will it give you cancer? You're right, it is way cheaper than Lucite. So come on down, located in the former Al's House of Lucite location. And remember, O-G-D-E-N, that spells Ogden, not Ogden. Wow, yes. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that well, <laughs> certainly does flesh it out. I <laughs> I uh, shared the script with you for this before we uh, even started recording, so I don't expect you to have any other reaction than that since you <laughs> haven't read it and don't know what we're supposed to be reacting to. But uh, yeah, I, but but hey, as long as uh, you were there on the dark web, did you look up? Is my name and social security number drifting around on the dark? While you were looking for tech war fanfic? Oh know? yeah, I've took out a uh, I've taken out a mortgage. Okay, God damn with it. your hair. I knew I should Sorry. have done that free scan that I see keep seeing on TV. <laughs> But. That was the uh, that was the uh, the second long con. <laughs> I guess it was a short con. I was I wasn't on there for too long actually. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I'm ruined. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, so Vargas is is touching his silver fingers to his silver cheek. That happens a lot. The um, mentions of metal body parts in this chapter it's off the charts. It's <laughs> it it got so comical. It, like don't you. <laughs> You know how to establish something, you, you know, a writer establishes that and then you don't have to mention it again. It's so distracting. 
<laughs> the uh there was you know in the uh in the dark tower series by stephen king which is thousands of pages long he he does continually remind you that one of the characters hands is diminished or he gets his fingers bitten off by a lobster creature that's beyond the point but he does you know over the course of you know thousands of pages he'll maybe every hundred pages be like roland held the gun in his diminished right hand just to you know it's been a long time you're reading this over the course of years maybe you forgot right. this is back to back sentences <laughs> After he brings his silver fingers up to touch at his silver cheek, uh, back still to her, Vargas held out his metal hand and made a be patient gesture, which I assume was a thumb pointed at the sky. Yes. Um, so metal. many odd, so many that get very specific mentions, like when people die and they do these weird chicken dances and point at their ears yeah. and then we'll fall down. Those coming up. <laughs> <laughs> this time, it's just, yeah, we get no specifics about it. Uh, but uh, but now I want everyone to. I assume that you, Connor, have your thermos of Alabama shooters in front of you uh, yeah. <laughs> for recording because we're going to do the drinking game now. Okay, sure. Uh, just a real quick uh, three series of these. Uh, so here we go. Do you know anything about the crash of a sky cruiser, Kitteridge's sky cruiser near here? So drink, please. Okay. As I understand <laughs> it, though, I never met him directly. The money came from Sonny Hikori. Everybody drink. Yes. The next sentence is, what about Bennett Sands? Drink. (laughs) I barely finished my shot. Exactly. Oh, man, I'm not going to make it to 11 p.m. today. I mean, 11 a.m. Jeez, it's early. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so a lot to unpack there. Uh, We've got got back-to-back-to-back Cruiser with the Kitteridges, Sonny Hikori, and Bennett Sands. My favorite thing. He said, as I understand it, though I never met him directly, it came from Sonny Hikori. So even characters in the book have not met Sonny Hikori. <laughs> it's an, it is the, it is a, they are consistent uh, with that pattern. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I don't know. Like I said, it's been, it's been a, a running joke for long enough that it is hilarious. And we have 40 pages left. And I, I, I hope that we meet him. I, uh, I told you before, and I still hold out hope, if this is all a plot by Globo and Winger. It will all have been worth it. There is no Sonny Hikori. Sonny Hikori pulled off his mask. But then we have another thing. Another thing that I've made countless references to is, uh, you know, that he's like Poochie. And then when he's not there, all the characters should be asking where he is. We have him say, what about Sonny Hikori? Where is he? So characters are asking, where is where is Sonny Hikori when he's not around? Uh, <laughs> And then he responds, uh, as of two days ago, uh, Hakori was at Acapulco at the Pleasure Dome, his casino complex there. Jake next asks, what about Bennett Sands? And uh, Vargas says he wasn't involved in any of this, if that's what you want to know. And like you just said, please be true. Please just have Bennett Sands, you know, like Jake shaking hand with the hands with him at the end of the uh, story being like, sorry, man, sorry to have besmirched your name. Like, you know, I just sort of got caught up in the whole thing. <laughs> oh, it is. And more to come, more to come. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's a, a spectacular moment to come. Uh, but f- before that, uh, uh, Vargas is dispatched with uh, Warbright has more than just a stun ray. She has a death ray built into her uh, metal hand. And so we just need to we need to get a description of what this was looking like uh, to you because it hit Vargas in the chest as he was trying to black away. Metals and ribbons burned and melted first. And then a small, neat hole was burned clean through him. Blood came pumping out of the hole and then out of what showed of his mouth. <laughs> Vargas's arms flapped and he fell back against the wall. He stayed there until he died, which only took five seconds. Uh, 
I didn't understand at all. Blood came pumping out of the hole and then out of what showed of his mouth. So was he like turned to the side? Does the metal that was because only half of his face was handsome? Does that mean the metal didn't form continue his mouth? I th- that was what I took it as is like, remember, I told you half of his face was silver. Well, that's what I'm describing again. That's what I took it as as clumsy as it was. Earth? I know it doesn't make any sense. There's never been a cyborg in the history of fiction that didn't have a mouth that would, you know, just continued, you know, Harvey Dent, Two-Face like style. Like you just that's how it works. It's like a yin yang. It just stops. But then it's still the same. It, it, you don't just have a metal. You know, it it doesn't look like the robot in the day. The Earth stood still with just a solid. What the hell? I don't know. Maybe it was. Uh, I was sort of picturing that uh, Boardwalk Empire. Remember that character? He had been injured in mm-hmm. World War One and disfiguring. Yeah, so he wore that half mask thing. You've uh, probably so you've like... probably seen the image of it. Okay, it was sort of famous. But um, yeah, you, so you could only see like half of his mouth moving. But that's that certainly wasn't the description we got earlier. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm trying to that. give it too much credit. Sort of like a Phantom of the Opera kind of thing, but even that, wow, that's weird. Um, but um, here's what I noted: um, just the description temporally, it's weird. Metals and ribbons burned and melted first. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this it's all pretty concurrent, though, isn't it? I mean, we're not, you're yeah. not noticing that. Is that like ten seconds of like? <laughs> well, there they go. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, now I'm starting to see the small, neat hole. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, in a, in a, we get a five second description, um, sentences later. So you have to assume if there was any, uh, specific period of time, it would have been described. So it must've been, you know, instantaneous yeah. metals, the ribbons burned first with the metal. Like, I don't know. I just wondered That's- when Vargas's arms flapped, did, you know, cardigan, maybe just snicker a little bit. Like <laughs> this, this isn't funny, but I know I shouldn't be laughing. I'm sorry. He is yeah. right. This is a human being. <laughs> it's a uh, that 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 does seem like you said before. The scarecrow dance seems to be the main thing people do when they die. Uh, yeah, they're doing a or a perk pop and sprinkle dance. <laughs> yes. All right, that's all I got for twenty eight. Yeah, he uh, he he sort of departs ways with Warbride. He calls her that one more time. Alana, either one uh, doesn't matter. But I think before we move to chapter nine, we should do a what I think is going to be a very challenging fanfic or real section. And now I bet they bitchin' cause my flow switchin' Tryna tell me what to write upon some fan fiction Can't they just be happy? I no longer have to face eviction That I'm living on my life, I'm living on my inner vision So, oh, so oh. you're pretty cocky about this, eh? You I think, am You think you got it wired? Funny you should use that term, yeah I'm, I'm got some, uh, I got some good uh, selections here We only have 40 pages left in the book So they, there's not much left that could happen So people have to get really creative uh, you're sort of guessing about how the book is going to end at this point in time. So, um, well, yeah. I should have, you know, uh, <laughs> that I just, uh, sharpened my Dixon Ticonderoga, the winning wow. formula. So I am set to go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. We got five again. Let's see how you do. First one, a lovely Chinese girl in a plaz leather dress suddenly jumped out of her red plush chair. Get this blinking thing off me, she cried, swatting at the bloody, bedraggled bird that had just landed in her trim lap. One of the roosters <laughs> from the one of the roosters from the cockfight lounge, explained Sands with a faint smile. The little devils get away from time to time. A small, polite silver robot went rushing over to the screaming, flapping young woman. He grabbed the squawking rooster and deftly run its neck wrung its neck. Something similar is going to happen to you, Cardigan. Onward and upward, Jake advised. 
Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a subtle, that's a subtle one. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Number two, number two, Jake smirked at him through the pain. Yeah. Well, I can't conclude my business until I know either, Sonny. So where's Beth? The tech Lord's smile vanished. Standing, he turned to the ninja waiting at attention beside him. Koros, he ordered. Stepping forward, the Kunoichi drew their plasteel katana from its sheath, raised it high, and in a single smooth motion, spun around, grabbed Jake's las gun off the table, and fired three shots into Sonny Hokori's chest. Jake stared in amazement at a shower of sparks from the body as it fa- fell heavily to the floor, smoking and melted very, smoking and melted very colored wire spilling from the holes. His surprise redoubled as he looked up to the ninja pulling off her mask. Mr. Cardigan, I've heard you're looking for me. It was Beth Kittridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, number three. A thick-set man in a green sweatsuit appeared in the doorway and gestured upward with the las gun. Hands where I can see them, Cardigan. Jake looked down at the Plaz China Bowl, the once steaming oatmeal cooling rapidly. Hell of a thing to interrupt a man's breakfast, Sonny. The terminal even got the raisins right this time. <laughs> in, in one swift motion, Jake flung the bowl at the tech lord, reached for the lad's pistol secured under the table, and rolled away with his newfound weapon. He watched as the oatmeal splattered over Hikori's clothes and caused him to stagger backward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want it to be real. All right. Number four. Warbride turned her metal armor towards Jake. Did you know of this secret, Amor? Not until after I got out of the freezer, Jake replied. Beth's eyes turned towards the vid screen. Mexico is not just a country, Warbride said. It is also an idea. I know that, Jake said. It is also an idea that Bennett Sands does not, unfortunately, understand. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's funny just to hear his name. (laughs) Okay. And the last one. The last one. Jake knelt down next to the unconscious Professor Kittredge. You nearly knocked off the Professor, too. And Sands is probably dead by now, too. Sands is alive, Wintergild rubbed once at the rosebud tattooed on his skull with bloody fingers. He was quite talkative before he passed out, instructing my medics to withhold the painkillers until he decided to cooperate, did the trick. Jake asked him, where's Beth Kittredge? Not here, alas. Jake suddenly felt cold. Did they kill her? Wow. All right. Uh, so yeah. to recap, to recap, we've got the uh, one about the uh, roosters from the cockfighting lounge escaping. Uh, we have uh, the ninja revealing that she is Beth Kitteridge. We've got him uh, throwing the bowl of oatmeal at Sonny Hikori. Mm-hmm. We have Mexico is not just a country. It is also an idea. And we have uh, Wintergild rubbing the rosebud tattooed on his skull over the body of the unconscious Professor Kittredge. Okay. What do you think? Well, here we go. I'm, I'm whispering to my Dixon Ticonderoga pen, like in Caddyshack. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Billy. Uh, number one, fan fiction. Number two, fan fiction. Number three, real. Number four, fan. Number five, real. Oh, not perfect. Not perfect. It was... Fan fiction, fan fiction. Oh, I'm sorry. Number one, real. No. The cockfighting one was real. No. It stunned me. Stunned me. Uh, someone sent that in. It was, I had to look it up to make sure he wasn't messing with me. Uh, number two, fan fiction. Number three, the oatmeal one, real. Yes. 
No, I'm no, I'm sorry. Fan fiction. Oh, damn it. I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah. Real, fan fiction, fan fiction, fan fiction. The last one is real. You got that one right. Oh, so not, I mean, not terrible. No, no, no. Yeah, just you You swapped two of them and they were, they were, you know, they were all very convincing this time, I thought. Um, a yeah. lot of nice touches. Uh, I guess the ninja pulling off her mask is a little too over the top, <laughs> but... You know, not not as dumb as the I mean, these he's we have Bennett Sands wringing roosters necks in the in the last 40 pages of the book that that one can't be real. <laughs> <It> can't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we had uh, first one was real. The second one was submitted by Trejan Trejan. Uh, the third one was submitted by Josh. And the fourth one was submitted by Jake. So well done, everybody. That was a tricky, tricky bunch and some very stupid stuff coming up in this last uh, 40 pages. Another appearance by Winter Guild. We know that uh, that Winger shows up again. Like it's a, it's going to be a big reunion. So wait a minute, Jake wrote that last one, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Jake yeah, these, uh... Cardigan, perhaps. <laughs> the known as uh, what is they what do they call him? Uh, Juanita. The Android. Yeah, Juanita. Uh, Jonathan is his real name, of course. <laughs> yes. Um, but all right, good fanfic, everybody. It's been. Uh... I think well done all around people, people stepped up their game this time around. They've, they've learned what makes these work. They've, they've learned how to trick you. But you've also, uh, you've, you've, you've sharpened your skills just like you've offered your dicks in Ticonderoga. That's right. Um, actually the, the things like the oatmeal thing, it's so, so good because the insanity, like bringing in another element that's so insane is, is a good move. Right. Because I mean, pulling off the ninja mask, I mean, come on, you can't, right. you know, so well, that's something that would happen in a in a bad, really bad movie. But like, it's not necessarily the kind of idiocy that happens in this book. Um, like, we have a couple characters coming up, two more characters that are my favorite in the whole book. That's the type of stuff that is the lunacy of this book. So, uh, right, right. So you don't expect, from, uh, yeah, actual, Binghamton. yeah, B level stuff. It's it's not actually in here. There's just a lot of meetings with people. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna. Uh, Chapter 29, I'm going to ask you the same question that Jake asks Beth at the start of this chapter, Connor. <laughs> you miss Ogden Swires? <laughs> That's why I'm so glum. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, I highlighted that just as a, uh, a hilarious uh, one-two punch of sentences. I do miss Ogden Swires. I mean, that that's a joke in the book, right? He, he's not... There's, that's not a thing. Like, he's I not think gonna it re- must be. After the second time I read it, I was like, okay, so he's... He's he's just joking because that was a guy she stunned and he was uh, an idiot that nobody could possibly miss. I guess so. It's just so out of character. <laughs> right. There's no there's no he's not like grinning as he says that or jabbing her in the ribs. But I was just my my thought was, can we please just focus on the characters we haven't met? Yes. We don't need to be talking about characters that we've spent time with at this point in time. This is irresponsible on the author's part. Well, uh, next comes a thing that when I read it, even though I think it was in real or fanfic earlier, huh. I still just have it, you know, outlined with dear God written. And, and you know, <laughs> uh, we'll start looking there since that's where Sonny Hikori is supposed to be. Then Hikori is the one behind what's going on. Kitteridge and Beth were forced down near Warbride's encampment. Since Hikori's involved... It's likely that he had brought them them. No, but it was a favorite spot of Bennett Sands, and he oh talked about God. it. Did Vargas say anything about him? <laughs> was that that was one we had? Yeah, I, I mean, think it, it was. It, I think it was. If there's not, there was one that was identical to it. But yeah, just like you know, that's a someone's bingo card could be 
filled out by that one paragraph alone. It's a macro on his keyboard. It must have been. Just hit it <laughs> and fill it in with. Yeah, he's so he's he Beth for whatever reason just wasn't you know tied up in the chair next to him uh, during all that garbage that just happened in the last chapter. So he has to re-explain it to her, um, even though we read it three pages ago. I like the part where uh, um, so so for whatever reason they've they've been together for what three days. They both are, are have fallen in love with each other, even though they know that they're not one of them is not a real person. But uh, she says, I'd like to ask you something, Jake. Go ahead. Did you spend the night with that wild woman? Only part of it. Well, I suppose that was to be expected since years ago you and her were. Whoa, I didn't spend the time in bed. I was getting information. So he like does like a sort of coy response to the question, <laughs> yeah. did you spend the night with the woman? And then he's stunned when she interprets that as, uh, yeah, we were getting it on. Yeah, it's a, uh, I thought they were like halfway to a, a, you know, a naughty sitcom joke. Like, what? Where did you get that from? Yeah, exactly. He's just an obtuse dumbass, as it turns out, when uh, when she's asking about a character who's the only time the character has been mentioned is, so you guys get used to get busy, huh? And he's like, it wasn't like that. So, yeah, I he's know. like, I, I, all I did, I went into a room and I really <laughs> gave it to her, man. Yeah. I mean, holy cow, boom, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh, so you slept with her. What? No. I, I was getting information. <laughs> oh, the thrusting. What? Of my elbow jabbing Vargas in the ribs. What is, where is your mind? So, yeah, so we, uh, oh, now I have, I have to save the, the my next notes because they're all dumb sentences. Dumb this, sentences. Yeah. Uh, I, I know what it's going to be. Uh, I'll just read the first part of it because I thought the, the first part of it is I, the, the first part of it I thought was very funny. Uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm guarantee you that you have this next part marked. Uh, Beth, Beth is getting sort of, uh, emotional. Uh, last night I was thinking about something I did when I was 18. So she's 18. Everything had been getting too much for me, school, romance, and my father. So yeah, you've got the, uh, the hot 18 year old Beth Kidridge who's just being overwhelmed by all the romance in her life. I bet uh, that our two authors were big fans of that little detail. <laughs> and someone, Janelle, our, our trusty reader, pointed out to me, there's no Oxford comma here. So it says, everything ain't been getting too much for me, the 18-year-old, school, romance, and my father. <laughs> oh, boy. Which is a, uh, yeah, that's why, that's why you use them. Uh, she says here, it's it's uh, only that all of this, people killing each other and trying to kill us, I just wish it were over. And I just thought, man, she's speaking for all of us right now. <laughs> I just more, wish we would meet Sonny Hakori for the love of God. I just wish a ninja would pull their damn mask <laughs> off or something. Um, I also thought she, she, so she's very emotional, but she's like, Jake says, after she found out what Vargas had been up to, she killed him. And then she... Jake, Beth put her hand on his arm. I thought they were lovers. So she's very touched. She's very moved by 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 the their relationship ending. It's like when you find out that, you know, a, a couple whose wedding you had been to uh, 15 years ago, like they broke up and you're like, oh, but like we were there. We witnessed their their vows. What, what the hell does Beth care? Like right. Vargas <laughs> attempted to murder him. They were going to murder someone else. They're 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 evil people. And she's like. She's, she's touching his hand to be like, I thought they were lovers. It was very, uh, I don't know, I guess she's an empathetic person, and that's what he finds uh, attractive about her. It might not just be her uh, rock and bod and uh, 
uh, hot uh, 18-year-old adventures. It's just her, it's her sense of empathy that he finds attractive. Yeah, I haven't heard anything you've said since you said 18-year-old Beth Kitteridge <laughs> about five minutes ago. Uh, well, how old is she now? That's what I think she's like 22, 23, something like that's, that. I, I don't remember anything specific, and I didn't look it up, but that's what I had remembered. Oh, wow. Yeah, 18. Hmm. Over the hill. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, so she's, uh, she's, she's talking about Again, we're saving we're saving the dumb sentence of the book for later. But um, she's talking about going to her uh, going to her, her uncle's villa, um, his lunar villa. She says it's all staffed by robots. Some are very old and antiquated robots, uh, which I took just to mean that they're racist. That's probably the uh, the robot staff of her her moon villa is staffed by racist robots. And then she's still she's still I still remember the keyword for getting into the place and activating my uncle's villa. It's eclectic. And Jake immediately, eclectic's not a very dramatic keyword. <laughs> maybe, maybe when your uncle gets a moon villa, you can judge the keyword that he uh, opts to use to, to protect it, you dick. <laughs> oh, like, what on Yes. You're supposed to be like, I wasn't aware we were, we were picking uh, uh, keywords for security based on their, uh, based on their dramaticism. The uh, password is a uh, question mark, pound sign, exclamation, <laughs> uh, uh, uppercase Q, lowercase W, L. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. that's not very dramatic. <laughs> We've got, he's a, all of a sudden, he's like Stephen Hawking of, uh, of, of, of universe judgments. But she says, my uncle sees the universe as basically eclectic. Like, what the hell does that mean? I d- had no idea what that meant. It's it's said and it's immediately dropped because I guess they realize that this conversation is going absolutely nowhere. Yeah, they're they're romance. Let's face it. Whatever was happening, this is fizzled at the end of this scene. <laughs> with this, the description of the villa and the uh, keyword, and then it just kind of peters out. Yeah. After a while, <laughs> Jake moved his hand free of hers. It's the end of that. Little, <laughs> it's like, right. look, this is clearly over. Yeah. I do not care how hot you are, but we just had the worst conversation in the history of literature. It was like I—I uh, I was at the—I uh, swear I'm not dropping this. I was at the Ritz Carlton in uh, <laughs> in Hollywood once, and uh, oh, is that Sonny Hakori's pleasure? Sonny, yes, I was uh, talking on a vid phone. No, there was a a really really old. It was the, the worst cliche ever. There was an old guy um, sitting with a incredibly. Beth Kitteridge like person <laughs> and he was buried behind the paper and she was yammering on. She was going, anyway, <laughs> it's a really fun game. And what you do is in level one and she went on a, it was hilarious. A 15 minute description <laughs> of the video game. He never moved. Didn't, didn't even, wasn't even going, uh-huh behind his paper. Uh, this is what it's t- turned to now with uh, Jake and, uh, and Beth. A hot uh, chick describing video games. Are you sure you didn't run into Artemis in Hollywood? (laughs) (laughs) That could be it. Uh, But yeah, so they they take off. They go to Acapulco. um, And they, I guess they, I don't remember where this takes place. But Jake hops on a uh, a vid phone call uh, with the detective agency. And so he gets to have a a conversation uh, with the secretary. It is you, isn't it, Jake? It is. Are you Marnie? She fluffed her hair. I abandoned my Andy look. So she's she's like she's like fluffing her hair with the heel of her hand, like uh, she's a you know sassy post World War II secretary. And then she snapped her gum at him. Yeah, yes. exactly. She like you know closes the door by like swinging it shut with her hip as she she walks out. 
I, I did note, by the way, that Marnie's my third favorite character after the two Ogdens. So I'm glad, to, I'm glad to see her back. Oh, my favorite character comes up at the end of at the beginning of next chapter. So you may have to revise your list. I Ooh, think if your favorite character is not Globo, I'll be very shocked. <laughs> my character has has just as good a name, I think. Um, but so uh, she he says like, oh, like uh, I need to talk to uh, to Gomez. How's he doing uh, against his medic's orders? hobbling around in a most pathetic but sort of sexy way. And so we've, we've you know, recreated what some of these death scenes look and sound, sound like over the thing. And I just wish we were doing a, a video podcast so we could recreate how uh, Gomez is hobbling around in a pathetic but sort of sexy way. I would like to see that. Also, no description of what is the hair doing at this point. <laughs> yeah. So we go through a whole conversation with Gomez. Hair is not mentioned once. I don't know if it was just, uh, you know, written, you know, three weeks after it. So he didn't remember that that had been the dumb thing he had hooked his wagon to. But yeah. um, let me uh, let me hit you right now with some pure undistilled chat. Lart. Are you ready? <laughs> this is Marnie. She smiled. The screen blanked for eight seconds. And then Gomez <laughs> appeared. <laughs> oh, perfect. It's, it, yeah, it is. I had missed it because again, we uh, let's 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 do that. One, two, three, go. Marnie, are you? Marnie, are you there? Hey, Jake, it's hey, Gomez. It's Gomez it's here. How are you doing? I'm sorry about that eight second gap. Hey, we're, 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 that was a pure transition. Like she didn't like walk to his office and get him and then put him in front of the one vid phone. It was just, you know, hooking him over to the next line. Eight seconds. Delightful. And how long was it to get into that, the, the vid phone to get into that villa or whatever? That was, was that eight seconds or was that like 10? Remember that he oh. stood there, so there was another screen. So I'm just thinking that by this time, oh, it's established that that's the amount of time it takes. It, it's yeah, and this is um, so, this is the opposite of of uh, you know Ready Player One, where there was never any lag e- anywhere. <laughs> this is a universe just filled with lag. <laughs> well, that's just because they were so close to Columbus, Ohio, where the uh, IOI's location had uh, was was their main thing was located. That's why you. Had to be there because otherwise you'd be getting all that lag that he was never getting anywhere else. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, I guess that's why no one reacts with it because they just expect that they're like, oh, sure, vid phone, eight seconds. Yeah, I've got a, just enough time to sing, you know, the first line of Old McDonald. That's that's how we all know it's about to they're about to kick in. Right at fifteen, maybe he starts yeah. to cough lightly into his hand. Sure. Or, <laughs> you know. um, but uh, so. Gomez is immediately, uh, Jake tells him everything that's happened. We're spared those details. But when Jake concluded, Gomez looked up from the notes he'd been taking. This android rep of Beth Kittredge, he said. So (laughs) we all know what's coming next. We all know what what goes unsaid there. Um, But he sort of says like, yeah, you're holding something back, aren't you? I I don't know. There's something that comes into your voice when you talk about her. So we, I I didn't look it up again because I don't care. But it has been two days, three days tops, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everything's happened pretty. Yeah. There hasn't been any time gap. Yeah. They spent a day, you know, with Ogden, Ogden Swires. And then they spent another day uh, in Warbrides thing. So I think that's, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe there was one more day tucked in there, but whatever. Uh, But he's, you know, he's fallen dead incredibly in love to the point where his old partner can pick it up as he describes these dramatic last two days of evading death and watching a man murdered. But he really just lapses into a, something at the tone of his voice when he talks about the android. Well, I think there's a reason that he 
knows this information because of the way that he talks to him. And, and I'm going to test it out on you. Like if I call you amigo and stuff, you'd probably go like, well, what are you doing? That's, that's yeah. odd. But uh, when I, I, I hope you wouldn't be the least bit uncomfortable when I call you my longtime bosom chum. <laughs> oh my, I must have scanned over that one. <laughs> I mean, that's a conversation stopper. Like, yeah, I did. What, what did you just call me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, or just be like the sort of like silently get up. Zip up my bag into my computer, <laughs> recap my water bottle, <laughs> walk to the door, look back once over my shoulder and shake my head as I never see you again. Right. Yeah. I mean, they were they were cop partners. I mean, yeah. obviously, maybe he's being I don't know. It's just a very strange. Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't know you well enough to accept this, Gomez. Sorry. Make your hair move again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, then he, he says that uh, what's her name wanted to. Um, his ex-wife wants to meet with him. That's what Gomez says. Mm-hmm. Kate, Kate wants to meet with him. So he goes back and sort of explains this to, uh, Android Beth Kittredge, who is, you know, this is, there's all this dramatic tension between them. This is a very difficult conversation to have about his ex-wife. He says the reason Kate left GLA greater Los Angeles was because of the threats, not because of Sands. He told Beth, when people talk about tech wars, they assume that just means what happens between rival dealers and manufacturers. And so I, I bolded uh, when people talk about tech wars, which in this book, tech war, they do shockingly rarely. <laughs> yeah, this I had a lot to unpack in this in these two sentences here. First of all, tech wars. <laughs> two words. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. Lowercase wars. So it hasn't been, you know, so we're concentrating on a tech war, one of many in this yes. book, I guess. <laughs> but. Yeah, when people talk about tech, they don't talk about tech wars. Yeah, they, it's not a concern of, of many people. <laughs> but almost everybody gets involved, cops included, and sometimes there can be unanticipated casualties. Well, as opposed to those type of wars, the where, wars uh, you know, where everyone who dies is is expects it and has it coming. <laughs> right, it's so bizarre. Like, and where are these casualties? Like Jake goes around he's being threatened to be killed by tech lords since mm-hmm. the beginning of the book but he strides up to them takes meetings with them there really hasn't <laughs> been aside from a couple mechanical bulls there really hasn't right. been any physical danger for him in so when one of the first chapters he gets a ride with a with a racist cabbie that says something like yeah they came and they they you know they nailed that gink to the back of the seat or something like that so i think that was the one tech war casualty we've seen right Maybe the uh, underarms of Globo's dress shirts as well. I just thought, you know, to have no tech wars in tech war and then to have two sentences that just sort of obfuscate what, you know, where you could have <laughs> really told us what, okay, what are the, it's pretty <laughs> right. deep into the book. What is happening? What, how does it work? No, right. So we just ha- get a dismissal of it. We've had scenes of him watching a, uh, a guy use the uh, like video professor box. And we have another upcoming scene of him watching someone use like a book ATM. But we, we never had a scene of him just like turning on the afternoon news and there being, you know, a a page long report, quote, about tech war or a tech war that claimed some lives or something like that, which would have been so easy. Yeah. Speaking of the the uh, the guy at the the book thing is. Unbelievable. So, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we we will get to that. There. Yeah. Um, uh, I just lost my place. We have a uh, a good sentence though to end this um, neck of the 
Woods where he's talking about how he used tech. Because I think Beth said, I heard you use tech or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He says, fact is, I, I started using the stuff the night I came home and found my wife and son had left. I made use of a brain box and tech chip I was keeping as evidence in another case. I just, I mean, I, I thought about that, just trying to put yourself in that same situation. Like, you... You go like zero to 80 that quick the night that they leave. Like you're just like, well, I've spent my life trying to bust people who use this dangerous substance. But, hey, they're gone. Like you're not even going to like try and call a couple times, like track them down. Like you go immediately into the equivalent of, I think, you know, just like smoking crack in a motel room. Well, I was confused by this because this is the one that we saw, right? Are they are they referring to an earlier time that his wife huh. and son left? Oh, uh, yes, yeah. So they are. So if you're if you're not reading this, they've said that uh, he uh, his wife has had moved his son to like New England uh, to enroll him in a private school and also work for Bennett Sands. There, she was having an affair with Bennett Sands, I believe, uh, and she had left because there were threats made against her. Um, well, oh, so was, the second time she left when he got to the apartment and used it. So that was the second time. He identical, left. but that was the okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, his wife, his your wife leaves you, 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 you hug in the, the tech machine. That's just sort of the way it works. <laughs> yeah, but he says, uh, uh, Beth says, once in college, I tried tech, but I didn't find it that satisfying. And then Jake says, maybe it just depends on what kind of illusions you use tech for. I just use it to relive the past and improve it a lot and to spruce up the present. Well, that kind of covers a whole lot, man. Like, uh, he's like, I'm not a junkie. I, all I do is use Tesk to uh, relive and change the past and to change the present. Uh, I, don't... I am not out of control like some yeah, of these yeah. people. Yeah. So, what, what else could you possibly use it for? Like, you're, 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 you're making your present better and making your past better. I guess if you're not thinking about the future, but like, that's a, uh, that's a big justification, man. Once again, could be read in a Norm MacDonald voice. <laughs> I, I don't uh, misuse tech. I only use it to change the past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and it ends with yet another Andy kiss. Uh, not, oh, yeah. not on this initial run. No crossing to her. He bent and kissed her on the cheek. Stay here, Beth, and be watchful. <laughs> uh, so now he's just full. So he knows there's a real Beth Kitteridge, but he's only in love with the Andy. Yeah, I I don't know if he's just hoping that Beth is alive so he can immediately shove the android to the side and, uh, you know, move on to the real deal. Although, like, they haven't, you know, it's going to be rough. He's going to have to spend, you know, 48 hours with him before she falls head over heels in love with him. So that's uh, starting from starting from zero again is going to be really hard for those next couple days. Yeah, well, it's it's a little like, uh, I don't know, like Tootsie or something where suddenly, you know, it's a guy right. and I've, but I, you, it was me all along. It's like, I don't, I look, I don't know you. <laughs> right, yeah. This other Beth is not going to, she's not going to have the transferred memories of, oh, that's right. You, you kissed my, oh, well right, then let, yes. let's pick right up with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like have at it. <laughs> uh, that would happen all the time on Lost where you would, you know, you'd have these relationships and then they'd go back to an alternate timeline and the characters would run into each other in like line at a subway or something. And you'd, you'd, you'd know all this knowledge about what they'd done on the island, but like they wouldn't know it. And it was always moving. And they used that, you know, <laughs> they went to that well a lot. Yeah. Uh, so chapter 30 then, are you, you yeah, anything chapter else? 30, chapter 30. Yes. No, it starts with a bang. We've got some great stuff. Um, the, the first one is a, uh, you know, Jake, Jake previously slammed, uh, unexciting, uh, home security passwords. 
Well, now he's turning his attention on President Romero herself. <laughs> yes. a, gi- a giant vid screen was embedded in the underbelly. I forget of what. A sky blimp, probably. Uh, yeah, he was walking boat. up a ped ramp. <laughs> but a giant vid screen was embedded showing images of President Romero. Not a fetching woman, Jake said to himself. Boom! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, is, is it the president of Mexico's job to be fetching? Is that... Yes, exactly. Yeah, we've. Uh, yeah, that's that's not how they're electing him. I guess they're not doing a a, a beauty contest. Otherwise, Beth would already be president of Mexico. Right. Uh, before that, we get to that though. Uh, the small globes of colored light dotted the top of each wall at intervals of three. Blah 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 blah. Not plas lights. <laughs> like what in the name of hell? <laughs> it's just such a, a, a scattershot way of doing it. Yeah. I mean, the lights that he described before that are identical to this were called plas lights. <laughs> and then I, I marked it and just like figured it was, um, it was just, there was so much to talk about, but there were, there were globe lights all in the room where Vargas was being inter- interrogated as well. That was what he was staring up at him when he refused to make eye contact. Hmm. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's they like were a, Lucite and he, yeah, you know, exactly. he didn't want to any copyright infringement on it. They bought him remaindered from Al's. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so then we have coming up my I, I, I teased it, but my my favorite character in the book. They 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 burn bright rather than fade away. A group of tourists came spilling out of an indoor park up ahead. Don't get so close to the edge, Leroy. It's perfectly safe, Mom. They got a wall. They look awfully flimsy to me. That's because you have vertigo. (laughs) And then we never see those two again. Leroy and his mom. Presumingly from Binghamton, New York. And uh, I went looking. Uh, You know, Ned Beatty was nominated for an Oscar for Network in that one scene he has, which is like five minutes and 50 seconds of screen time. Uh, Anthony Hopkins won an Oscar. He was on screen in Silence of the Lambs for like less than 16 minutes. So I don't think it's a uh, I don't think it's a long shot to say that Leroy ought to be nominated for an Oscar for this scene. It's he did a lot. It was a uh, baby shoes never worn type of scene. Uh, you And you think better than uh, the people from Bing- Binghamton? Is that where they were from? The one documenting the uh, the, the social unrest? Yeah. Ru- I- Rupert? Was that is that who it was? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. <laughs> but it's it was it was sort of a uh, it's it's a parallel universe. Ogden and his mom, the Okies in the uh, first chapter. Ogden and Ma. I'm sorry, Ma. Um, but it is uh, you just that's what Shatlar does. He introduces these these son and mother pairings. They come in, they say a couple words, and then they depart onto their own uh, into their own lives again. Yep, and this uh, then he goes into the and and this is probably going to rob somebody's dumb sentence of the week. Just the name itself. Yep, the Dalton Walden American Factsbook Center. Yes, he goes into because yeah. it, it has all the latest bestsellers from the United States. <laughs> and then we we meet a character who I'm shocked that this was not your favorite character in the book. <laughs> yeah, he was scowling. Middle-sized and middle-aged man, a few pounds overweight and nearly bald. Yep, is great. Is trying to buy. He's jamming a bank's card into the proper slot, (laughs) which is not what you expect from a middle-sized, middle-aged, bald guy who's a few pounds overweight. A revolting slob like this idiot. Uh, And he gets in an argument with the Vox Box. Because mm-hmm. he's trying to, evidently, is he buying a, a a naughty book? Is that what we're... 
Is that what you took from it, or it's it's hard to say. It's hard. It's very hard to say because we get some information later that renders this whole scene immediately moot and even stupider than it was in the beginning. But yeah, he's he's trying to buy a book. The uh, the box informs him that he's um, not allowed to because of the uh, censorship rules, right? Yeah, and he says, "You say you sell them. Uh, the shop allegedly sells copies of American bestsellers. I want it." This particular bestseller, sir, is unfortunately on the unacceptable list here in Mexico. You're telling me I can't buy a copy? I am, sir. Okay, there's more. There's one more I want. That one is available. Good. Print me a copy of the damn thing. And then it says, you must go first and obtain a permit from the office of the Bishop of Acapulco before you can purchase it. So that's what made me think. Are they just like embarrassing him because he has a naughty book or something? I, I don't. Anyway. Yeah, the whole the whole scene is is amazing because it's, you know, our hero is has just been told that he is marked for death. I mean, he's known this because people have tried to kill him, but he uh he, he stops to watch this this idiot interact with the box for what has to be at least a couple minutes. Um get get getting denied buying two books. Well, I I know one portion of the time after he says you have to <laughs> the box threatens him because he says, "Let me tell you what I think of the freedom of press here in Mexico." And he says, "Before you do, I remind you we have your name and hotel address on record." <laughs> the man reflected for about 5 seconds. <laughs> Jake was with him the whole time watching. <laughs> right. He slipped He's his gonna... bank's card away, frowned at Jake, stomped out of the bookstore, which must have made quite a racket cuz he's 5 pounds overweight. Right. Uh, it's yeah, it's it, it's a it's a, a little slice of life here in uh, in President uh, President Romero dominated Mexico. Yeah, she's, ooh, she's seen this happening all the time. If she had been more fetching, this would have been a nicer interaction, I feel. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, the whole scene is, is is him sort of just like, you know, being censored because Mexico is oppressive. Uh, I thought that it was it was. Uh, weird or maybe like a little deal they made that the name, the Dalton Walden American Facts Book Center uh, involved two of probably, I guess, the titans of yes. American booksellers at that point in time. So maybe it was like a, a, a Kickstarter deal, like, we'll put your name in the thing if you agree to stock these books on your shelves. Uh, yeah, Dalton that could be. Uh, books. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, just another another sort of just gross character. Um, and we're about to get another one that he that he describes thusly. Uh, because the person that he's been sent there to meet, um, sent there by Gomez, the door slid open and a plump, dark-haired woman of 40 stood smiling out at him. And so this is where it clicked for me that plump just meant, don't worry, like, Jake is not going to uh, have sex with this woman. Yeah. Like, that's all. That's just they're like, just so, like, take this expectation off the table right now. <laughs> Yeah, either that or like the writers. Have you ever known anyone in your life? Like I, I uh, went to a health club and there was a guy I never knew his name or anything, but I, we just went at the same time. And I would see him in the locker room and he'd go, "Hey," he'd kind of scan my body and he'd go, "Yeah, yeah looking good. You working out? Like, what's your max?" And trying to talk, I'm like, "What? This is not wow. appropriate conversation." Wow. And, and I don't think there was anything untoward. It was just a weird yeah, sure. thing that he had. Uh, you know, and he's trying to compliment you. You're like, yeah, hey, you're looking good, man. Like, no, no, stop it. We're in the locker right. room. I, I just wonder, is this guy obsessed with like, if people are just a little overweight, like, well, <laughs> what's the deal, man? You know, like, right. I, I need to be able to say to you, you're looking good. You're working out. Like, wh- I don't know. That is, is Shatner, is he trying to say that he's trim and, and perfect and then everyone else is just can't meet that standard? It's very I, weird. 
Yeah, projection too, because it's rarely, I mean, I guess, you know, the characters are, I mean, Globo is an exception, but, you know, there's a few pounds overweight, plump, which doesn't, isn't the same as fat. I, it's, it is sort of like, you know, he must have just like, you know, lost a few pounds, like, and then just decided that he was going to uh, start looking down on everybody else. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's an odd thing. Also, I thought that the, when he re- referred to this little comic set piece before, the middle-sized guy, and then uh-huh. he says he's five pounds overweight. A few pounds overweight. A few. Okay. But I don't know. Middle size to me means, you know, kind of a fairly large. I don't know. The size, it just didn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Describe him as middle size, but then sort of drill down on how many pounds. is. It's just odd. Well, if you were, if you submitted, he was middle size and middle age to any sort of teacher, they would be like, pick one, you idiot. <laughs> yes. This is not a poetic device. Like it's, it's very clumsy and middle sized is not a term. Right. Use the one that's real that people understand. Um, but so that whole scene is immediately rendered uh, completely ridiculous because he asks – I forget what the woman's name is. Um, he asks, exactly how many different books can anybody buy in your store, Jake asks, taking one of the two chairs. Uh, the list is down to seven. President Romero isn't especially open-minded. So there are seven books available at the store, which the bald man did not know. There's so only like, seven books of it? Yeah, she says it's down to seven books. So like – in the whole, I, presumably this store and the, the government has issued that there are seven books you can read. So one, if you were ever in a country where there are seven books available that were the only legal books, that would be like a major thing that you would know if you were in the habit of going to bookstores to buy books. Um, uh, two, it's like the Monty Python cheese shop sketch where like that guy was in there just like he was going to – they were going to do that for how long if he didn't get threatened with reporting him to the Bishop of Acapulco. Yeah, I, I, I must have glanced over that. There's only seven books. Yeah, there's seven books. So then I was hoping she'd be like, well, what are the seven? And she'd be like, oh, well, uh, tech kill, tech power, uh, tech, tech money. Uh, <laughs> uh, when he's talking to her name is Carmelita, by the way. OK, got it. Uh, Carmelita says to him when he asks her a question, I can, comma, very discreetly, comma, try to find out. <laughs> There's that construction again. Yes. <laughs> no one speaks like that. Well, since he doesn't use the Oxford comma, he's got a surplus in his comma drawer, so he can just <laughs> sprinkle them in willy-nilly wherever he decides to. Right. But uh, we're coming up We're coming up on the, the sentence, the two sentences of the book. Oh, tell me. Yeah. Uh, so he's asking, just he needs information. I forget what he's asking about, actually. I don't know why he went to talk to this person. I guess he's trying to arrange a meeting. But he says, Jake says, maybe, but not much more. Is Bennett Sands in Acapulco? Her her reply, he arrived shortly after Sonny Hakori. It's all happening. It is. Oh, man. I I wrote down in the margins that this is, it's going to be like when De Niro and Pacino finally got together in heat and fans were just like, they're finally sharing a screen together. It's, this is the moment we've dreamed about. That's what this has been like for me. Oh, my favorite sentence is coming up, and uh, I I laughed for a solid minute at this. (laughs) It's not my dumb sentence because it's more, I mean, it's plenty dumb. But so he goes to, he he gets done with this little interview with Carmelita, and then there's a sort of touching thing. He's up ahead in the mist, a faint, sad smile touching her pretty face. And it's like Jake says very quietly, this is a, a surprise, Kate. Kate, his you know, estranged wife who, yeah. his son, he halted two feet from her, not reaching out to touch her. Is it Dan? Is he all right? 
and then they have a few whispered words back together, <laughs> and then there's this sentence. Kate glanced around nervously. Well, Jake paid the sombreroed robot at the gateway of the indoor park. <laughs> Just a reminder <laughs> that you are in... <laughs> You are in cartoon Mexico. Oh, yeah, I, I, I struck that, but I didn't I didn't place it in the greater context of the of the dramatic moment of him seeing his wife for the first time in four years. Wow. Yeah. Tears, tears rimming both of their eyes in this misty, you know, it's Casablanca at the train station or something. You know, <laughs> he turns and paces the sombreroed robot. Yeah. Jake says, you know, he just he's he's so caught up in the moment that he says, keep the change and hands him a five and the sombrero robot eyes bulge and just goes, ay, 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 gracias, senor. <laughs> Leaps up and down and starts shooting his pistols into the dirt. And he's like, please, robots, I'm trying to have a moment here. The first time in four years that I've seen my wife who has lost weight and looks sunken eyed. I... Ah, uh, so what do you have with the meeting with Kate? Well, I, I, you know, I try to give credit where it's due. Um, I've, I've maybe done that once in this book. Uh, I, I thought she was going to be a kamikaze, uh, and maybe that's what she, because he was doing like that. He wasn't touching her. He was holding back a few feet. I thought he was aware of the fact that she might be a kamikaze, and I, I just, you know, I, I wrote down in the book that I, I jumped the gun. So they, they tricked me. Oh, that is, I, I actually did not think of that. Um, yeah, that, that would be nice. There are so few plot elements in this book that I do try to guess them when I think that I've I've determined one. So I swung and missed on that one. But because uh, he eventually he eventually does take hold of her hand. Um, she tells him that uh, she's heard she's gotten wind that people are trying to kill him, um, which <laughs> comes as news to the man who has had multiple attempts in his life throughout the course of the book. Yes. <laughs> but he he's he's curious about this. So she she's reluctant to tell him how she knew this. And but he says. She's like, it doesn't matter how I found out. It does matter how you found out, Kate. He took hold of her hands and there was no affection in his touch. Did you overhear a conversation at a party? Catch a mention on the news? What? So the second one caught my caught my eye. So did, caught a mention on the news? Like he overheard that she, she was watching the news and they were doing a story about how gangsters are intending to kill an American private eye who hasn't even arrived in Acapulco yet. <laughs> hey, it's a like, slow news day. <laughs> yeah. Well, the uh, Acapulco high baseball team came up short, uh, losing to the crosstown rivals at uh, Cabo Wabo high, uh, three to two. Uh, Juan Stevens pitched a uh, two hitter, <laughs> but it wasn't enough as errors by the shortstop doomed the team. Gangsters have decided that they are trying to kill uh, Jake Cardigan, real name Jonathan, who is an American who no one in town has ever heard of because he's never been here. <laughs> uh, and, uh, she, and she turned and went, Dan, Dan turn up the news. I want to hear yeah. about that. <laughs> run, run, run that black on the Plaz DVR so we can, uh, so we, so I can catch that. It sounded like they were talking about your father for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I thought, yeah, that amused me. Uh, and then she, uh, another mention of her, I, her hair is mentioned a couple times, but she brushed at her auburn hair again. Didn't a reader pointed or a listener pointed that out that uh, the brushing of hair is a thing uh-huh. and hair is brushing in different directions yes, and brushing definitely. shoulders and people are brushing it, <laughs> brushing off your one raised shoulder. Yeah, he doesn't uh, he doesn't know what to do with hair. Also, once again, the weight thing. Um, I've lost weight is is all she said, stopping at a wrought iron bench and sitting. And hell, I'm almost five years older than I was when you saw me last. You look great, by the way. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yes. I, I just can't help thinking that all this weight and plump and everything is just projection. Uh, yeah, it has to be. It just has to be what you notice about other people and what you decided is important. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, Jake would look at her and think, not a fetching woman. <laughs> right. But we thought earlier, uh, there's another thing we, 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 we predicted is that there was some sort of plague or something, which, again, can't be true at this point in time. But maybe she's addicted to tech. I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, she's living with uh, millionaire Bennett Sands. Um, yeah, I'm sure she's yeah, she's she's on tech, of course. On tech. Yeah. But uh it's it it is funny. So she 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 won't necessarily tell him exactly what's going on, but uh so Jake Jake wants to know how she knows who wants to kill him and shows she sighs, still a cop, no matter what they did to you, she said, pulling her hand free. I just thought it was funny that she's irritated by him wanting to know who's trying to kill him. <laughs> yes. Like, come on. <laughs> uh also when you are talking about your wife's past affairs, just make sure your grammar's proper. And and it is in this sentence back then during our happy married days, back when I was supposed to be aware that you were sleeping with him. Did you ever happen to confide, confide in Sands about the cases I was working on about whom I was investigating? <laughs> Thank you for uh, phrasing that properly in this right. tender not- moment blowing his stack when he learned about both the affairs that are happening one that was you know pre-divorce and one that was a uh, post-divorce because she's to keep you up on the plot she's currently i guess checking up with bennett sands as well mm-hmm. uh, uh sands is in cahoots with Corey, isn't he is also a yep. sentence that <laughs> i marked that that was good cahoots good to hear i forget what the answer to that was uh i think she denied it or did she no, say she yes says, yes he seems to be she answered her voice low and then uh, the the thing that I puzzled about, I had no idea what this meant. I have no idea if it's going to have any bearing on anything. It might lead into your to your sort of theory that the whole thing is a tech hallucination. Jake sat back on the bench looking up at the trees. Tech, he said, finally. <laughs> what? Everything is just tech, just illusions. I always thought that you. Hell, never mind. What on earth does that mean? <laughs> what on earth is that meant to convey to us? looking up at the trees tech am i right (laughs) yeah it's like my friend's dad john candy (laughs) what's that no nothing just you know (laughs) uh but like so yeah the trees are holograms um there's birds and stuff in them that are holograms it's a hologram park but he looks at that and thinks tech there's been nothing to I, I don't know. I, I really am puzzled. I think it's like the author doing the, you know, this is what we're talking about. I, I was talking to my son who lives in Nashville, and he said that you get in a cab and a guy will go, uh, yeah, that's a nice looking jacket you got there. Uh, well, like, where'd you get it? I'm like, my jacket? I, I don't know. I guess like Nordstrom <laughs> or something. Yeah, it looks uh, similar to a jacket that uh, I wore when I met Johnny. <laughs> like just crowbarring in a mention. Yeah. Oh, Oh, Wedge. Johnny who? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Johnny Cash. I worked with... Yeah, so. <laughs> tech, am I right? Yes, what? tech. No, no. What are you talking about? We <laughs> haven't been talking about tech and those... Yeah. No. We're talking yeah, about my just past tech, affairs. Just delusions. <laughs> so I guess maybe his men... Yeah, his, his, his vision of that they were actually in love is the illusion. I don't know. I guess we're going to find out next time whether or not this is on an illusion or not. Will you be happy or disappointed if it's the case? Oh, I mean, I'll be disappointed. It seems like, you know, like any, uh, if it was all a dream type stuff always feels like a cheat, of course. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I won't, I won't be happy. <laughs> but it would be a, uh, a well-telegraphed 
idiotic twist. So it would, from, from the perspective of being an even worse book, I think that might make it better. If it was an illusion, you would think that from the start, it would involve uh, ninjas, you know, taking masks off and being, aha, I'm this person. I want, <laughs> I, I want more of that in my, right, fant- exactly. my tech fantasies. Fewer, right. fewer meetings with Carmelitas, if you please. Well, please, Mike, all he does with his tech fantasies is relive the past and improve the past and make the future much better. So <laughs> that's all he does. Um, well, that wraps it up for me. Do you have anything else? No, that's it. It's uh, fantastic. I, I, as I said, I laughed out loud more at these chapters because <laughs> if you were going to trick someone into reading something and they had to read, this is what you would do. <laughs> you would keep mentioning it like and you'd. You know, I, I read once a book where there's a, a guy, a, an eccentric character in the book who liked to go into the library and underline meaningless passages in books and yeah. then sit there until someone read it in front of him and started puzzling <laughs> out, why did this person underline this? Right. And th- this is what this book is becoming. Like, is this, he's probably, you know, watching his audience read it and snickering. Like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, my question was like, wh- how much worse could this have been in order for it to be something that the the publisher uh, would have still trotted out to be like potential bestseller material? Yeah, I... like because it's it's so bad and so so limited in scope and so uninteresting. Even if you were like a diehard Trek fan, which I have to imagine is the people that read it in the first place, and so I was like. You know, and it's, you know, there's there's weird grammatical things. There's weird sentence constructions that make it harder to read. So, like, it's a three out of ten on a badness. But, like, I don't know what could have been. It would have been technically unreadable for you to like for them to have rejected it, I guess. I guess it's just the power of his name. Well, it also must have been the first read through. It must have been the reaction would be, I thought he had a ghostwriter. (laughs) <laughs> like, didn't we hire some dumbass to write this for him? Right. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, sir. sir. Um, yeah. and, and and so what had he written? He must know how to write. He had written a series of uh, books where Groucho Marx solves mysteries. That's the guy you hired? That sounds even worse than just letting Shatner do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, that's what's shocking about it is, uh, you know, an editor had to have looked it over, but maybe it's just, yeah, like you say, it's the Shatner power. Like it stays, you know, Shatner wrote Stet a million times and the editor right. went, okay, right. we'll, we'll see what happens. There's a term they use about video games called shovelware, which is just the kind of garbage they, you know, make essentially, um, hoping to trick people into buying like the, you'd see it at a Walmart bin where it's like CD ROMs, $5. And you, you're, dad would buy it for you because he doesn't know what you want you're like this is a this is terrible like how is this how do people spend time doing this like it barely functions as a game like um it's dishonest and that's sort of what this is like as a book yeah it it reminded me of the uh years ago my mom bought for my little kids she bought a tape that was uh you know in a bin or something it was called animal crack ups which you know (laughs) that sounds pretty good for little kids it's we, a game or a movie or it was a VHS movie. Yeah. And so we plugged it in, started watching it. It was just like footage of someone at a farm. <laughs> it was like an, an hour and a half of chickens. <laughs> it made us laugh so hard. <laughs> Which so part are we supposed to? short material. <laughs> yeah, it, it was not framed with anything. It wasn't edited. It was an hour and a half of walking around a farm with a video camera. Oh, man. Yeah, get it in the queue. And uh, that's what uh, Shatner's book is, an hour and a half of uh, 
Sonny Hakori walking around on a farm. <laughs> the animal crack-ups of books. We'll put that as our pull quote. Um, <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's do some sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period. Dumb sentence time. Take it away. All right. We got a lot this time. Uh, the first one comes from Justin, and this was something that I had not noticed, but uh, I, and it was, I had to bite my tongue not to talk about it when we were talking about uh, how he uses tech. But uh, the sentence is, in my tech world, my father and I got along fine. My mother was still alive. Kate never left me, and I wasn't hooked on tech. <laughs> so so he, he uses his tech to construct him a world where he is not using tech. Oh, wow. Which is, is hilarious that's, that's amazing that's incredible <laughs> um so i guess that just sort of it, it might give credence to the uh to the techception idea i don't know yeah uh, adam wrote in uh, uh you might this is we had touched on it but the whole sentence was you must first sir go obtain a permit from the office of the bishop of acapulco before you can purchase it and he he added to this uh, dumb sentence. If this was a Star Wars, if this was Star Wars, this guy would have an entire Wikipedia entry. I want to know more about him. He's such an amazing character. Although I did struggle to relate to him, as we weren't made aware of the age of which he was nearest to. <laughs> <laughs> right? How many pounds did he have hey, on him? Is he plump or hot? We don't know. Uh, <laughs> Janelle wrote in. This is a short sentence. The sentence was just Jake moved then. Ah, yes, that's one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What was the context of it? He's trying to save Globo? Um, oh, she I, actually, she, I, she has some context. Uh, I try hard not to fix glaring mistakes in the writing, but this sentence makes no sense. Up until now, we had no reason to believe he was going to move. He's moving to save Globo, I assume, is the motivation. I do not understand why he wants to save Globo. If saving Globo wasn't his motivation for moving, then we as the audience have no idea that he wanted to move. It made, would have made more sense if in between all these paragraphs of speech, we would have seen something along the lines of Jake didn't move or Jake eyed a lever damn near Vargas and could see that it was hooked up to eight more robobulls to use it as a distraction. But to just see Jake move them, it's like putting the action on then, like he was going to move at other times or was waiting for something to happen for him to move. Or is it just like Jake moved just then, but the just made it a weaker sentence? It's a bad sentence anyways, but there's only so much you can do, I guess. Yeah, I feel like it was a failed attempt to put style on something like Jake bolted forward and right. slammed the, you know, it's trying to be very uh, hard-boiled or something. But it, <laughs> yeah, it's it's so confusing and falls well short. Yeah, Jake moved then. Ter <laughs> terrible in your mind, terrible to say out loud. Right. Uh, Brad sent in, it slid, it slid silently open before he was closer than 10 feet to it. That's a door. I don't remember what door exactly. He says Shatner and Goulart seem to really struggle with describing exact numbers, don't they? But they don't sometimes. Sometimes they're very specific. But yeah, so this is but this has happened before where he was closer than 10 feet to it. So he's nine feet away, eight feet away, like very strange. Yeah, he could be an inch away. I... <laughs> yes, um, I have uh, several myself. Stepping onto the thickly carpeted floor caused for some reason all his teeth to ache for a while. Yeah. <laughs> what that means, why that did that, uh, why there's for some reason interjected in the middle of it is never explained. Well, it's a continuation of his uh, his skeleton had been removed and reassembled in his body in, oh, right. you know, wrong or something like that. 
this was one that uh, Brad and Jim G also submitted. Vargas watched the night win, worrying the treetops. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was uh, his attempt to be sort of poetic. And, poetic, yep. Yeah. That was very, that was terrible. Uh, in the sky high above, a huge sky van was slowly gliding through the misty twilight. So not a land van slowly gliding through the sky above. <laughs> right. But then the one that I marked as dumb sentence of the book, uh, we didn't talk about it earlier, was Beth saying, being a very affluent and fairly spoiled kid, I ran away to the moon. Oh, this is the, I think the first time our number one dumb sentence. So it is not surprising at all. Wow. <laughs> that is, yes. That, yeah, that was just, uh, I mean, everything that's dumb about this book into one page, just the sort of supposed to be funny, I guess, but like the construction of it's wretched and the, the fact that that has no bearing on the plot, that there are people living on the moon with uh, undynamic home security passwords just makes it to me so dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was my uh, dumb sentence. Okay. The other, well, yeah. this, this is a runner up. Uh, it, okay. it, after that, it's hard to, you know, it's like following a, a great comedian. I can't do it, but I'm going to put it out here anyway. The Acapulco Ritz had five tap free vid phones on its mezzanine floor. <laughs> it's just so, so Shatlardian. <laughs> yes. Five, a total number of them tap free. We're supposed to just accept that as a given that there's no way to tap any phone that's designated tap free the acapulco ritz like he can't think you know it's just uh so on the nose well great those were great sentences uh, as always a lot of those came from people who support us on patreon uh patreon.com slash 372 pages it's a fun thing over there over the holiday break we posted uh your uh exclusive uh tale of why people call you mad dog so that was yeah. something our patreon supporters got to hear yeah, and this is a, uh, there's even been the, the guy who witnessed it, confirmed it in our Patreon site. Yeah. He's, he's Oh, wow. Yeah, he's on the board. That is, I'm not even going <laughs> to give his name away because I don't want non-Patreon people to be involved in this story. <laughs> I want to keep this a cherished thing between us. But yeah, we really appreciate the support. We've been able to uh, support some great uh, nonprofit charities with the, some of the money from that and uh, lets us uh, keep doing this. So thanks, everybody who supports us on patreon.com slash 372 pages. Yeah, this has been uh, fantastic. And uh, and thank you. And interacting with the people has been a lot of fun. And uh, thank you all who took the Plaz quiz. And uh, <laughs> you were you all went down in flames. There was really no no winners here. Not even us. No, nobody, it was, nobody won that. It, it was a it was it was rude of you. It was sort of a trick question. You made every answer lucite. That <laughs> yeah. was why it was it was so tricky for people. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I've got two emails. Oh, great. We ain't going to the party. We ain't going to the game. We ain't going to the dinner. Ain't gonna cruise out, man. We're stealing people's mail. Steal away, Connor. All right. This first one is from Elizabeth. This week I caught up with my mate Adam, who listens to the podcast too. And over dinner, we were talking about tech war. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> By talking, I mean I clarified for him who all 800 named characters were while he attached the prefix plaz to every other word I said. And it occurred <laughs> it occurred to me that whenever anyone discusses this book, they're effectively acting out a scene for it themselves. Think about it. We are sat in a restaurant explaining at great length who Sonny Hokori and Bennett Sands are and what they may or may not do next with no chance of them ever appearing themselves. We rehash the plot and talk in circles, but by the end, we are no closer to solving any sort of mystery and nothing has been learned. We get in the land train and go home, none the wiser. (laughs) That's very good. 
Yeah, it's sort of like uh, that's what people say about the uh, Infinite Jest. The book ends and you're not really sure what happens. So you flip back to the beginning and start reading it again. And it's about this addictive form of entertainment. So you're you're living it, man, by the time it ends. So you just uh, Tech Wars, Infinite Jest. <laughs> Cut from the same cloth, baby. <laughs> All right. Um, the second, uh, just fewer footnotes in, uh, in Tech War. Uh, David uh, writes in, says, while it is clear that neither Shatner nor Goulart is a particularly brilliant author, I do have a theory about the author calling out elements of his own plot as being cliche or convenient. There are plenty of examples of this, but the most this is the most recent I've read. This gets ahead of it, but I figured we would use it. In chapter 31, Jake is talking to Beth and says, a wife having an affair with her boss is a pretty frequent thing, a domestic cliche, yet I missed every clue. Pulling aside that an affair like this is not commonplace, I think this is Goulart's way of calling out Shatner's lazy plot. Anytime this happens, Goulart's trying to tell us something. I picture Shatner throwing cocktail napkins with story ideas on Goulart's desk. Goulart then asking Shatner how Jake's wife would be involved in this vast tech conspiracy. Shatner saying, I don't know. She worked for Sands and they had an affair or something. That sounds good. I believe the call out mentioned in chapter 31 is one of Goulart's passive aggressive protests. Goulart's telling us, guys, I know this is stupid, but Bill made me keep it in there. That was really cool that you got Shatner to read that one little section there. <laughs> that was awesome. How did you how did you get that? I should have made him say the word Ogden while he was uh, <laughs> while he was in the studio. Uh, so he thinks that that parts of it are meta commentaries from Goulart to Shatner is that did yeah, I... he's, he, he sort of is he's saying that uh that that Goulart is like uh you know in a hostage video blinking a coded message okay uh, yeah to the uh to the uh, uh United States government or his family or something oh, uh, I, like, I like that theory I think there's something to sure that. sure I like it as a theory it's 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 rather far-fetched but you got to assume that Goulart was doing the majority of the lifting and getting irritated so there's there's got to be some little digs he left in there yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that does it for this time, unless you've got anything else to add. I don't. I'm, uh, I'm, I have my metal hand on my half metal <laughs> face, and I can't think of anything else. All right. Well, the next time we're going to finish reading this book, um, and we will, we will see what happens. I guess we're going to meet some characters. We're going to find out whether this was all a dream or not. We're going to uh, read Sonny Hakori's dialogue, hopefully, uh, find out if he's in cahoots with Bennett Sands, uh, meet the real Beth Kitteridge. There's a lot going to happen in these last 40 pages or so. Globo, so. globo, <laughs> globo, globo. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Whoa, whoa, whoa.